All right, guys. Hello and welcome. Barry Slagle, um, Back of the Net podcast. Today is a little different. Uh, today is Friday, April 17th. I'm going to be speaking with Chad Metzler. He is our chief operating officer. Did I get that right, Chad? I know we yep, just mentioned it. Right. Okay, perfect. Chief operating officer. He's in charge of the operations for the club. We just want to do a quick PSA to go over the return to play master plan, return to play game plan that was posted Wednesday night, April 15th. So we've got Chad here to talk about it and make sure that everybody's on the same page so we can ask a couple questions as well as highlight a couple pieces. So Chad, just to get us started, um, I know that we've got a couple paragraphs on the actual website that links to it. People can find this by going to independentsoccer.club and then following for the coronavirus updates. They get there and there's a little blurb. Uh, then they can also click on the RTP, RTP game plan, return to play game plan. And that's going to show us the master plan. It's about a nine page document. So is there anything you want to highlight on just that quick introduction to the game plan before we get started? Yeah, thanks, Barry. Um, you know, I think we're, we're all in a, a unique situation, something that probably nobody in, in their lifetime has gone through. So, you know, the soccer club, just like everybody is trying to, to find our way through and, and look at life when this is over and, and we're back to the field. Um, you know, I kind of spoke about some of the changes that I think everybody's gone through. I'm sitting on my front porch right now and I'm watching a bunch of kids ride their bike in the neighborhood and, and people walk their dogs and, and, and it's interesting how life has changed, you know, um, with more families staying at home and cooking and playing board games and, 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 and maybe some of these changes are, are things that'll stick around and maybe they're temporary, but um, I think it's clear that when we get back to normal, it's going to be a new normal, uh, perhaps some, some, some positive changes in what we do. Uh, but our scope from a soccer club standpoint is to, to try and make some reasonable plans for when we do get back and also stay flexible enough so that if, if that new normal, at least temporarily is a little different than what, what it was when we, when we stopped playing, um, we can accommodate those those situations as well. Yeah, I, I hear you on the on the differences at home and the extra family time. I've been teaching my daughter to ride a bike, and that's that has been uh, in in one way a, a small little blessing there. So we're going to jump into this document here. There's a table of contents. Once again, the people can find it by going to the website, coronavirus mm -hmm. update, um, and then there's a small blurb that Chad just talked about, and then there's a link to this flip snap sort of a a magazine type thing, and it's got nine pages of information. So Page two, we start off with what is the club currently doing? So we talk about regular club and program updates, um, player evaluations or IDPs. We've had a couple virtual FIFA tournaments for the players as well as for the staff and the adult league. Technical work being delivered as uh, optional opportunities for the players to improve on their own. A lot of social media skill challenges. I don't think I've been on social media as much as I have been in the last month. Um, there's also the podcast. That's this. <laughs> so you're listening to that right now. Um, and then also everybody seems to be using Google Hangouts or um, Zoom meetings. So I didn't know if there's anything on that that you want to talk about a little bit more in depth. No, I think you, you went down the list. Uh, the challenge and, and the continuing challenges, this goes on, you know, originally we thought maybe it was going to be two weeks and then it's a month. And now we're looking at, you know, who knows when, two months or, or, or even three months, you know, is how do we stay connected with our members? How do we provide value while we can't be on the field with our players? How do we provide opportunities for our players to continue to grow and interact and stay part of the community. Um, and we're constantly looking at, at, at new ways and sharing new ideas. 
some are on the team level and some are on the club level and some are on the program level. So um, I think we'll continue to be doing all the things that are, that are on that list. And, and over the next couple of weeks, probably adding some, some new initiatives to that as well. Yeah, I think, uh, <coughs> excuse me, speaking for myself as one of the directors, and you mentioned it here at the bottom, you know, we're not sure what everybody's doing at home right now and, and where soccer is fitting into their priorities. But those players that, that want more, please reach out to their coaches and please reach out to the directors. And, you know, you even have a blurb in there that at the back page is all your director's information. So if you feel like your son needs some more information or has some questions, reach out. That's, that's what we're here for. Yeah, absolutely. And I just said, if, if anybody has ideas about something we could be doing, you know, reach out with those too. You know, I think different organizations and schools and even businesses have found different ways to connect with, with their members and their constituents. And, and we're always open for, for new ideas. So if, if, if anybody listening has ideas that might work in the club setting, you know, please provide those as well. Yeah, and they could reach out either to their directors. Would that be the best point of contact? Yeah, uh, I think program directors is always a great contact point, um, or they could reach out to me directly. Okay, fantastic. All right, so going to the second piece. Um, this is the four-week plan. So the first question, Chad, is when do we start? When are we back out in the fields? Right, well, that's the point of the four-week plan. So um, all the organizations, the municipalities, the different clubs that, that we talked to have been trying to set different dates and say we're, we're targeting May 4th or we're targeting May 25th or June 15th. And, and to be honest, right now, um, if you listen to 10 different sources, you get, up, you get 10 different dates. And, and we really don't know. I mean, we prefer sooner than later, but, but obviously health and safety of our members is the number one um, concern and, and, and we're not going to step on the field until we know it's absolutely safe in the right appropriate conditions. So rather than setting a date, we've come up with this four-week plan that's sort of portable. So regardless of when that first date is, if it's in May or June or even July, um, that'll initiate this four-week plan and, and, and allow us to start implementing um, some sort of return to soccer. Um, the best we can a return to some lost value and some lost field time for our players and, and, and really just kind of initiate our, our, our start to getting back to a normal club operations. Right. So is that a decision that's made by the club? Is that a decision made by state officials, health officials? How, how, how will the membership know uh, when that decision's made and where, where most of it's coming from? Oh, we'll communicate it. I mean, I think we'll, we'll communicate it loud and clear on every, channel we have to communicate with everyone. Um, ultimately, it's a club decision, but it will be in conjunction with first and foremost what, what state and local officials tell us. So we're not going to do something before we have the all clear from them. Um, certainly, we'll be assessing information coming from the CDC and, and other health organizations. And then um, third, I think, the governing bodies, NCYSA and U.S. Club Soccer. I mean, I think we have to have the all clear from all of those organizations. And once we put it together, um, we'll, we'll, we'll come up from a club standpoint with what that start date looks like. Um, hopefully, we'll have a couple weeks lead up so that we can not only say it's going to be in two weeks, this is going to be the date, but we can put a little bit more detail into what the actual plan is going to look like. So I notice in the four-week plan, we, we have a couple pieces. We've got number of practices that we're shooting for 
also a number of games. I think it's broken down into um, competitive levels and also the recreation level. Mm -hmm. It looks like, yeah, go ahead. Well, we've come up with the number of, of, of training sessions, number of games um, that we are 100% confident we can deliver. So those are actually listed as our minimums. So at a minimum, teams will get two training sessions a week. At a minimum, the competitive teams will get four matches. Um, and recreation teams will get uh, a minimum of one week, uh, sorry, one, one training session yeah. per week and, and, and four games. Um, but depending on all of the variables that we don't know yet, if there's, if there's the field, field availability and, and uh, what the restrictions, if any, there are on us when we do come back to play, uh, we'd like to give as much value as we can. So we very well might exceed that. That's just what we feel confident in saying, at the very least, we'll provide. And what is the club going to do if NCYSA decides to cancel the entire season? What kind of games are the players going to be playing if they're not able to play an NCYSA or state league game for those that play in those leagues? Sure. As of now, NCYSA has not canceled the, the spring season state games. Um, I think they have sort of some hard stop dates. Um, in their mind is in terms of at what point those games would be canceled. So if, if we come back to play and we still have time to play those games, we're going to try and schedule as many or all of those games back in. If we can't, uh, the main purpose is to get our teams back on play, back in play. And that might mean inter-club games where our club is scheduling in bulk with another club and, and has sort of a festival-type atmosphere where maybe um, – I don't want to say anybody in particular because we don't have any plans, but maybe another club brings 50 teams down for the weekend and, and we get everybody two or three games. Um, it could be inner club where teams from different locations are playing each other. But we'll, the goal is to find that, that competitive piece um, so our players can get back into the game. Right. And then what's the, what's the story or the plan here for the Novant Children's Trust Tournament slash festival? It looks like that's something that's going to be occurring on the fourth weekend, possibly. Right. So we had scheduled the uh, Novant Children's Trust for early May, and obviously that's not going to happen. Um, so we decided to take a different approach to it and use that tournament as a method to get um, some more competition for our teams. Uh, maybe end the four-week plan in a, a little bit more fun, competitive, festival-type atmosphere. So basically, that tournament is going to move till whenever we start. It'll be the fourth weekend. Um, and it'll allow a lot of our teams to get in several games over the weekend and play in a competitive atmosphere. Um, it won't be restricted just to independence teams. Um, but we, we do plan to, 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 to include that as – as sort of the finale to the full week plan. All right. So now we're going to move on to the next piece, which is the financial piece. And typically the, the questions, if we're getting them on the financial pieces, what's the deal? What's the story? What are the rules on applying for a refund for the season that's been postponed or currently in suspension? Right. Um, well, unfortunately for our teams, uh, we're not in a position where we can offer refunds. Um, even though we're not playing in this period, we do have a lot of obligations that we're still trying to meet. We're trying to stay responsible to our employees and, and as best we can keep, keep their salaries intact and keep their benefits in, intact and look out for our independence family. Um, you know, we also have, have, have 
obligations such as at rents and believe it or not, even prepays that we need to be putting money towards for next year. Um, but our goal is to, to make sure that everybody gets the value that they signed up for. Right. So obviously this has affected people in, in, in lots of different ways in their life. Um, it's disrupted businesses, it's disrupted schools, it's disrupted uh, church, it's disrupted different organizations that people um, belong to. And for us, four-week plan is part of getting that value back. And, and as I said, as much play as we can, can squeeze into those four weeks, we will. Um, but we also have, depending on the exact program, um, different offers to, to offer vouchers for free camps um, and, and, and different ways to, to, to return sort of the soccer value. It might not be apples to apples, but we do feel like we, we've found a nice balance to uh, make sure everybody gets the soccer experience that they want the best that um, the conditions will allow us to do. Right. So we have, we have a couple different levels. We've got the recreational level. Um, we've got the competitive level. You know, we also have the adult league, which is a, a bit pushed on from, from the recreation level for the olders. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that we have, and correct me if I miss anything or add to, or, or like I said, if, if I miss something, I know we have a rec program and there's a voucher for a camp for there, correct? Yeah, there's actually three different recreation camps throughout the summer. So they're at different, different dates. Um, and any recreation player can sign up for any one of those three at no cost. Um, and additionally, if they want to do more than one camp, uh, there's, there's some discounts where if they sign up, they can go to a second camp for a 30% discount. And that can be used as many times as they want. And it doesn't have to be just on the recreation camps. It could be on any of the professional camps or the specialty camps we have through this summer. Okay, great. And that there's a registration deadline. I know that one from having talked about it at the beginning of a couple of the other podcasts. Is that still May 1st for the, for the discount? Uh, May, May 1st is the registration deadline to receive the 30% discount, but the, the free code is available um, right up until the week before each camp happens. Uh, the, only, the only situation would be if the camp reaches its maximum capacity, and if, if that was the case, we would probably try and add another camp option. Right, so if your son or daughter is a recreational player, they get a voucher for a free recreational camp. If your son is in the Y, son or daughter is in the YDP, same thing. They get a voucher for a specific YDP youth development program. Well, the YDP is a little but, different. So, so the youth development program, we actually have a plan to get all of the um, soccer time that was scheduled in. So originally, I think there was five weeks left with five 60-minute uh, sessions, and we plan in the four-week plan to do four week four sessions but at 75 minutes so so we are getting all of the soccer time that was instructional time that was was scheduled um but at the beginning of next year or actually in late july um we will have a have a special ydp camp that'll be free and it's a three-day ydp camp so anybody who played in the ydp this past year can attend that right so what was missed for the ydp equated to five times 60 and we're going to provide four times 75 to make up that 60 miss. So, and that one, it's almost as close to apples to apples as the club can get for providing something for the YDP program. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Um, And then also the competitive programs, they get the, they get a camp voucher as well, as well as if they register for camps prior to May 1st. And then the national programs have a camp voucher for preseason fitness camp. So pretty much every one of our levels has the opportunity to attend at least one of our camps for free. And if they register in time to get a 30% discount, 
I believe the ID camp for the college ID combine. I believe that's a $50 off of 75. Am I getting my numbers right? If you register before May 1st, you, you are, um, normally our, our ID camp price is $125 and that includes lunch and includes, um, training shirt. So if anybody registers before May 1st, and we've already had quite a, quite a good turnout for that camp, um, or for those camps, uh, it's a $50 off voucher. It's, it's $75 for players. Um, and I know a lot of our senior boys and girls have missed opportunities throughout the spring to play in front of college coaches. Uh, showcase tournaments have been canceled and, and, and such. So it's probably a lot of um, maybe for some a little bit of angst around it and certainly a, a desire to get out in the field and get in front of some coaches. And, and I think the same is true on the coaches side because coaches have missed a lot of opportunities to go out and see players play and, and do some of their recruiting. So um, we've had quite a bit of interest in coaches wanting to, to get right back out there and, and, and attend our camps as well and see, see the kids. Yeah, I think there's going to be a spike just from a personal opinion. Um, college coaches looking to come out and evaluate talent, juniors and seniors in some cases. Um, so I think it's a great opportunity to get in front as soon as possible for those college combines, those ID camps, and they probably will be pretty well attended. So something to check out early if you're looking to do that. Yeah, those are those are scheduled for June 13th for the girls and June 15th for the boys. But um, we also have makeup dates in case we're not back into play on those dates. Uh, there's a July date with each one of the, that corresponds to each one of those as well. So um, there there is a backup in place in case uh, July 13th and I'm sorry, in, in case June 13th and 15th aren't aren't available. But we're hoping to be back by then. And if I sign a son or a daughter up for one of these camps and then they get canceled because we're not back out on the fields, is there a particular financial policy for those? Yeah, we have a value protection plan where basically we'll take that 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 money and, and roll it into another program or another camp that, that is later in the year. So people won't lose that value. Okay. Are they able to push that value to only camps, or are they allowed to push that to different costs uh, incurred during the season? Um, it, it, it's it's really only available for camps, but it doesn't have to be limited to summer camps. It could be something we're doing with futsal in the in the fall, or it could be some of the winter camps. I mean, it, it'll be there almost indefinitely for people to use and take advantage of. Great. So the next piece, the the second question, if we're if we're getting questions, I'm not sure this this actually might be asked more often than the financial piece. It's what is the player placement process, particularly for these national level teams, which in this season would have been the DA, the ECNL, and the NPL. Uh, if my player, my son plays at one of those levels or is trying to make one of those levels, you know, the girls have had their tryouts already, so it's slightly different. But particularly for the boys, you know, how are we going to do these tryouts? since we're currently suspended when these tryouts would normally be going on. Right. So, you know, as you said, the, the senior girls had, had their player placement process ran start to finish and ended up in, in mid February. So that's not a, not an issue for the national programs, but well, for any of the senior girls, um, the national program boys and junior girls, that would be 13s and 14s or rising 13s and 14s had just started when, when we got, suspended from the field. I think both programs had had one ID session. Um, so the process had, had had already begun and is is in a phase where it's it's rolling, right? We've not completed it yet, but we have 
populated teams at every level of the national programs and continue to be giving out offers to players. Um, under any circumstance, you know, the ID sessions are helpful and ideally we would have liked to have had three or four ID sessions, but um, the truth is the ID sessions are really just a small part of the whole process, right? Um, we've been watching, especially the, the internal players, we've been watching them play for at least a year, if not longer. We have um, IDPs and, and player evaluations. Um, internally, we make coaching uh, depth charts. We have coaches come out to games um, and, and observe different teams, whether uh, everybody's aware that they're there or not. Um, and we meet frequently leading up to and throughout the player placement process. So the goal is really to find the right place for each player. And we feel like we do have enough information, especially on the players who've been in the club to, to, to be putting people in the right spot where they're going to be successful, but also uh, challenged. Right. I can speak to this one uh, being, being one of the coaches and one of the directors. It's, it's basically weekly. Uh, if it's not an actual meeting where we're sitting down to talk about depth charts and players, it's, this is what we look like this weekend. Is there anybody on the team um, that could be brought up? We, we need extra players. We'd like to see those players. We need to see if they're a good fit. You've been talking about this kid and saying that this is the appropriate level for him. So these are conversations that have been going on all year, and it's definitely a very big part on the coach's side of the player playment process. So what we've missed a little bit are those ID sessions, which are typically to see new talent and as well as give an opportunity for the players to show in a, in a what we used to call a tryout setting. Um, but a lot of this process, a lot of the coaches' side, the coaching-driven side, has been going on all season, both in the fall as well as in the spring. What about the local players? Uh, these would be the traditional blue and tan teams and, in some cases, navy and white teams. Their tryouts aren't typically until mid-late May. How does player placement process possibly change for them uh, due to the suspension of play? Right. Well, we haven't, like you said, we haven't reached the player placement process window for them. Um, we're not even allowed to be putting together teams based on some, some, some state regulations, although we are working with them to discuss when that window would open now. Um, and since we really don't know when we're going to be back on the field and, and be able to get everybody back together, and frankly, once we are, we want to we be implementing that four-week plan and getting into, getting into play and training. Um, we are looking at doing a membership renewal plan in which um, similar to what we just described with the national player placement process, uh, we will be collecting all the information we have on players from coaches, from directors, um, from evaluations and IDPs and putting together a, um, a plan to make offers to our players. Uh, you know, we feel like we've been watching them for at least a year, if not longer. And we, we have a good sense of where everybody probably needs to be. And that doesn't mean everybody stays exactly where they were for some players. That means it's a good chance to move up. Um, we're also in, introducing something new. It's, it's an interactive part to the player placement process. Um, basically, after, once players register, we're, we're creating a, a former document and it's not completed yet, but it'll be sent out to everybody who's registered and it will allow players and families to, to um, declare what their placement interests are and what their commitment level interests are. You know, if, if players don't mind traveling or players don't mind training three or four nights a week, or if players only want to be training twice a week, or um, if, if a player feels like they should be playing at a higher level or, or feels like they're at the right level or um, 
feels like maybe they're at a, a level that's higher than what they want to be playing at, right? Yeah, this, uh, is, a, this is a declaration of intent. Now, I, this is what I want to get to, you know, and your coach is going to help drive how close you are there or not there. But this is, uh, I have goals and aspirations of playing at this level. Or in some cases, hey, I want to play at this level because this is what fits for my, my commitment level and my family. And, you know, there are plenty of kids out there that have got other things going on that they focus on as well. They've got a lot of talented kids in the club. Exactly. And, and, you know, just because a player says they want to play here doesn't mean that we'll make that decision, but this will be another piece to that puzzle. Um, understanding the intent and, and, and aspirations that each player has is important for us. And, and, you know, if a player says that they'd like to move to a higher level and maybe we aren't able to put them on a higher level team right away, um, that'd be something good for them to work with their coach for the next year as part of their IDP and f figure out, okay, if that's where you want to be, how do we, how do we make that a goal and, and work towards that? Um, honestly, this is something that we, we, we kind of came up with at first, um, sort of on the back of a napkin idea. And, and the more we thought about it, we really liked it. And it might be something that we, we stick with in years to come, even when we're in a, a more normal uh, tryout setting. Yeah, some of the best and worst ideas come on the back of those napkins. That's awesome. Right. Yeah, I think it's an interesting step, and uh, this is a great time to, to check it out and, and see how it affects. The first thing that I notice on it is we've got a lot of players out there that want more, and if they get to declare that intent, um, it, it's helpful for me as a director uh, to find them extra opportunities because they don't always necessarily voice it. Sometimes I talk to parents, and they said, oh, you know, I, I didn't know I could ask for more in terms of a training environment. So that's something that, in addition to this declaration, you might want to reach out to your coach and or the director for the level that you play at see what those opportunities might be. A lot of times we've got abilities to, to get more training time for those kids that are looking for it. Yeah, we want to make it an interactive process. I think in the past, um, in, you know, probably every club across America tryouts, not only uh, a really stressful time, but almost a, a mysterious time where, where things happen behind the scenes. And, and, and again, we call it player placement process, not tryout, because our goal was to place players in a, in a setting where they're going to be successful. So if I'm a parent and I am looking at this, you know, we, if you're a national program parent, uh, most likely your son or daughter is already, uh, if they're, if they're junior girls or, or any of the boys, has been requested to pay the $35 registration fee for the player placement process. If I'm a local parent, should I pay that fee now? And if so, why am I paying it so far in advance? What is, what is the purpose behind paying that currently? Well, um, the registration fee is still important because as we've just described, there's a lot of work and manpower and, and, and resources that go into this process beyond just having players step out in the field for a one-off ID session. Um, we would like players to register as soon as possible. Um, for one, it helps us in the planning and helps us start putting things together. Uh, it's, it's not something we do in a day or even a week. You know, it varies. You were talking about, and these are ongoing discussions so it, it helps us see the picture clear and then the second piece is um, we're not sure exactly when this window is going to open and we want to have a kind of a run-up and be able to get those declaration forms out to players and give them time to get them back to us and and um, really make sure we're doing things right so if this if players are registering at the last minute it's going to either slow things down or or, or we're going to miss things and, and we want to make sure that that's not happening yeah, it's, it's the database tool that we use for our entire membership as well as those registrations year to year. It's how we know 
up-to-date contact information and, and the plan for them being a part or at least, um, yeah, I guess just being a part of the program going forward. So it is really kind of the starting point for all the collection and, and information that we're able to push out to those players going into that upcoming season. Um, I think we are pretty much getting close to the end here. I was, you know, this is definitely a PSA to dive into some of these pieces in particular for those that might not have had a chance to read it yet. So I feel like we've touched on a lot of it. The next section is summer camps, which we talked about the ID camps. There is a piece about WPSL or ETA. It's similar information to the summer camp. Is there anything you want to touch on on those programs? No. Um, I guess the only, the only thing I would say is, especially with specifics to WPSL and, and the Elite Training Academy, um, we are planning on doing that. Uh, I don't know that the date is going to be, um, the start date is going to be where it originally was. I know the league is has not suspended play for the summer, but the WPSL league has moved the start back. And, and it, it'll kind of follow our four-week plan. So when we're on the field, we'll start the WPSL and the ETA. Um, that's about an eight week program. Um, and we'll, 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 we'll run through it, um, with, with games and, and training throughout. Uh, it also depends on some information that we don't know when the, when the fall season's going to start. And even since that involves a lot of college players, when back to school is going to start and, and when, um, the fall soccer season for, for NCAA is going to take place. So Yeah, it sounds like the bookends on this one are, are a little bit more of moving goalposts than some of the others because it touches different areas, college, state leagues, a summer league. Um, so it seems like that one's got a little bit more pieces, wait and see. But the plan and the intention is, yes, we're going to be moving forward and whatever fashion we're, we're able to accomplish for those. Is that, is that pretty quick summary there? I think you, I think you nailed it. Okay. If it wasn't, I said it incorrectly. So we're all good. So we got three pieces left. We've got the fall season. We've got the national programs, um, team-based travel, and then we've got sort of the coming soon, the next two weeks. Feel free to just jump in and knock out those three for us. Yeah. Well, um, real quickly, I mean, the fall season, we intend the fall season to be, be a go. Um, we don't know if the dates are going to be moved back at all. We have discussed, but this is an official the some of the leagues may be starting after Labor Day, where typically they start a week or two uh, before Labor Day. Um, but, you know, knock on wood, hopefully society, we've gotten to a point where this uh, coronavirus crisis is, is managed enough where it's safe, um, but we won't put anybody in an environment that we feel is unsafe. So if we have to adapt the way we do things, if we have to adapt the training or even the playing platforms, you know, we will. Um, and we, we're working out lots of contingencies, but our hope is um, by the fall season, we are back to what we consider normal in terms of the soccer world, in terms of play. Um, with the national programs, we have a number of teams that, that have team-based travel included in their program. Uh, namely, this would be the, the, the DA, the ECNL, and the ECNL Futures programs. Um, and we have gone ahead and made a decision as, a, as an organization to spend any team travel until January 1st, or at least until January 1st. It could be extended even further. Team-based tra travel doesn't mean teams won't be traveling. It's when teams get on a bus and go to D.C. or to Florida for the weekend. Um, and we, we, we feel it would be prudent to, to suspend that for the time being. So... It's not that we won't be traveling to play games, but it'll be family-based travel, which is a little more traditional. You get in the car with mom and dad and, 
and you stay in a hotel room with your family if, if it requires a stay rather than with your teammates. Um, it's one thing to get all your ki- all the kids back out in the field and play soccer. It's another thing to put them in a bus for, for six hours and put them in an environment that maybe um, isn't the most comfortable at this point. So we feel January 1st is a very safe date. Um, if things change, we can extend it. But uh, our plan is, as of January 1st, to, to, to recontinue the, the team-based travel m- method. Um, but because we have made that change to the to the to those programs um those specific programs that was part of their fees so we will be uh doing a fee reduction for all of those national programs include uh team-based travel by five hundred dollars right and then lastly just a couple things to look out for over the next couple weeks um one of them is you know how the state leagues and and other leagues that we play in what what are their rulings going to be in their return to play uh, as well as a couple key aspects, you know, the program descriptions, content. We talked about the player placement, eventually listing our coaching staff assignments, and then also sort of a, a new moniker, maybe mantra, or maybe there's a better way, slogan to talk about the club, the independence way. Anything you want to highlight in that section? No, I think those are all important to, to kind of tease, right? Um, even though we're, we're, we're sort of off the field and on a pause from, from playing, the soccer world doesn't stop turning. Um, and in the last couple of days, you know, they announced the, the termination of the U.S. Development Academy and, and some announcements have come out and how we're realigning using ECNL as, as a new playing platform for our boys. And there's other things that are in the works when we're coming out to, to, to explain how all of the programs are going to line up now. So um, I would say just kind of keep an eye on things and, and, and stay, uh, stay open-minded to how we're going to put things together. Um, the independence way is something we were working on before this happened and, and now actually gives us a really good time to work on it. So as a club, we have a certain set of values and we have what we call the five C's, which is um, kind of how we use our guiding principles to make decisions. Uh, the independence way is sort of a, uh, an expansion of that into our soccer values or our soccer guiding principles. Um, and, and that's being, being put together and, um, I guess all the wording is being decided on. So that'll be rolled out and announced and it'll probably be something that's, that's, that becomes really ubiquitous with everything we do. And then finally the coaching staff slate should be out in the next couple of weeks. Um, that's something we would be getting out whether we were playing or not uh, somewhere around the, the late April, early May timeframe. So that, that'll still be coming, coming soon. Yeah, well, Chad, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to to go through this, um, the nine pages. Hopefully there's some value in here for the membership. I know I am, and I know the club is also looking forward to getting back to that new normal and getting back out on the field. And hopefully this gives some more information of the things that we've been working on over the last month and, and provides provides some structure and, and hopefully some answers for some of those questions that have been bouncing around within our community and within the membership. Uh, I really appreciate it. If you want to sign us off with anything, this is your chance. And and thanks a lot for me personally. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Barry. Um, And I guess I'll just echo what you said. I mean, I think all of us can't wait to get back on the field. So um, we'll do everything we can to be ready for that day.